0: hello everyone i'm ben west and i'm matthew cantrell welcome to
1: tonight we are we are gathered here to discuss movies and kiddos Mm -hmm. how how do you share films that you love with children that you love (laughs) how we it's something that you and i uh, are faced with often um and it's something that I'm sure a lot of people think about. But what what do you show your kids? When when do you show certain things to them? How early is too early? Uh, what is it responsible to do? And uh, I think some of that's implicit, and, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot of this. I'll also kind of caveat this at the front end by saying we're both uh, fathers of young children. So my eldest is five. Matthew's your eldest, four. Mm-hmm.
0: We, we yes. stair-step so, with our kids' ages. Yes. Yeah,
1: we alternate. Um, so we're, we're going to be looking... Be, we'll be able to speak most accurately to that age group. I don't think we can quite yet talk about, you know, seven, eight-year-olds and older. Um, we can with our memory of being seven <laughs> and eight, but that's a little bit
0: <laughs> And my youth ministry experience a little bit. Um, yes. But yeah. even then, I'm not their parents and in their lives in the same way, but definitely yeah. have some experience in teen life and media.
1: There you go. That's still, so I, I th- yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll start it off with this sort of uh, scenario, which plays out often in my house and we can kind of take it from there, which is my wife and I want to watch a movie. We want to, it to be something that we can watch with the girls. It's the afternoon. We're tired. We want everybody to just have something where they can kind of chill out, veg out for a second together, want it to be wholesome. And we turn up, o- turn on our subscriptions Netflix, Disney Plus, we scroll around for a solid 15, 20 minutes <laughs> saying, what about this one? No. What about this one? No. Remember somebody gets decapitated in that one? Oh yeah. And it's just, it, it's very difficult to find a movie that is going to be appropriate for kids, our, our kids' ages. So the question that I often sort of wrestle with is like, is it even responsible of me to be showing movies to kids five and younger? Like, it, is it just sort of like too early for them to even be engaged in that? And we should read them books or have imaginative play. And it's all options, right? Like that that stuff is totally still doable. But is it um, very very often, anytime we show something beyond, the, the very safe movies that we've learned are like Cars, just the first one, Robin Hood, mm-hmm. the old Disney animated yep. one, um, we actually just uh, on your recommendation watched Totoro, and they loved it. Awesome. Uh, but like very often, there are movies that we think are going to be safe, and that just like make them scared. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's not that they should never be scared because this is something that Kathleen and I have talked about a lot. it's like we want to as parents protect our kids from the evils of the world, but more than shelter and shield them from everything bad that could possibly happen. I know that I'm not going to always be there to do that. I want my kids to be strong. Um, so I want to give them tools and I want to equip them to deal with the hardships and the heartbreaks of the world without just sort of like intentionally traumatizing. Them. Uh, so anywho, like it in, in my mind, it's like Incredibles. Incredibles is a, is a kid's movie, right? No, definitely not a kid's movie. And a lot of times the stuff that will, will set my, my eldest daughter and start her getting emotional is, um, people disagreeing. Like she, she is moderately fine with like most action stuff and really gets like emotionally disturbed when people are fighting, when mm-hmm. people are arguing, when they're disagreeing, when there's a real strong disconnect, especially between family members, mm-hmm. um, Interpersonal so yeah, conflict. I just, yes, exactly. So I, I remember being over my... at y'all's house
0: and the girls are watching a movie, um, uh, Enchanted. And you and I are working on our board game and they're watching Enchanted. Oh, and yeah. And watching, like, I was, like, thinking, the only, like, scary thing or upsetting thing in that movie is... the dragon. The dragon at the end. <laughs> which, like, the point where I saw Lucy, your oldest, started to get really concerned was when, um, I, I forget the, hus- the 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 main yeah. guy character... He starts yelling at um, Giselle and like yelling at her like that's not reality like you need to figure it out like this isn't some fantasy world and he like is he shout he's like getting angry with her and Lucy was so upset and I remember seeing exactly what you're saying and that was two and a half years ago but like um, which feels like not two and a half years ago but like (laughs) um but it's like that i i remember seeing her just shoulders up and just upset that that there was that conflict and and then when the dragon scene happened neither of them are upset i'm like
1: they were like laughing yeah like this is great i was like man see
0: like (laughs) when i was a kid the dragon scene would have been when i'm like okay like what's gonna happen like that they're fighting each other which is awesome but also like you know the things that like worried me when yeah. I was younger was when I saw a good guy get killed, like or get stabbed. Yeah. Like I remember watching Obi Wan die in Star Wars and being like, Who? Oh man, a good guy can die! Like I remember that. <laughs> like or um oh, there's another movie I like, have a distinct memory of like one of the main characters getting thrust through by a sword and it, like just oh, good guys can't yeah. die. Like it was like yeah. you're that, supposed to be safe. That's the stuff that would like bother me, um, which when is I was also younger. worth but, mentioning like,
1: that between us we've got five girls yes <laughs> and one and one now bo- one boy one,
0: two weeks ago and spanking new yeah yep. little peter he's the the one lone boy but uh <laughs> love it so, um, anywho, i just
1: what, like what from your experience you know has has sort of stood out to you in that discernment like do you do you share a lot of that
0: yeah charlotte and i pray about a lot like what we want to share with girls and like the like how we engage with media and screen time and all those things and you know like our pediatrician is an awesome pediatrician and is very like um middle ground when it comes to like um sometimes you get people who are like hyper strict and like more like you know anachronistic and like like oh the old way and like the way we used to do things is better and blah blah blah. And like we shouldn't trust the new things and like uh and then you have other people who are like, you know. We watch TV Final all iPads. the time and like, yeah, yeah they, I, they got their own phone and they're five and it's like, okay. um, And like our pediatricians like right in the middle of just like being a really well balanced like, but also understanding of like, hey, this is the way the world is right now. How did we engage in the world right now where they have friends who are going to have iPads? They have friends Damn. who are going to be watching media that you might not let your children watch. How can you as a parent be well grounded and be doing what? your children need you to do as far as regulating this well and not creating a bubble that can easily be popped by somebody else um, and and a very breakable worldview that you establish for them? How can you help them establish the worldview you desire for them to have? And so- This is from your pediatrician? uh, This is me gleaning and rewording things that she kind of like is her philosophy, yeah. So she's not saying these same things, but it's basically that of like you want your children to organically develop on their own, the morals and values that you want to instill in them. So it's Mm -hmm. genuinely instilling them in this person. It's not creating a world for them to try and keep alive and be like, this is your structure. This is the way things have to be. And then the second someone else breaks it, their world falls apart and they just kind of like don't know what to do, um, which can happen in an overly sheltered, manufactured life. And so that's the line I find that the average you know well-meaning Christian parent is, is constantly straddling is not always the, Oh yeah, you can watch whatever you want. Like R rated, whatever. Like, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, we were dropping off Thanksgiving dinners, um, a couple weeks ago to different families. And, uh, one of them was watching their, their kids, the youngest being like, maybe like one and a half are all standing in the living room. And an anime show called demon slayer is on, and ooh. the one of the characters has like a, a boar's head and has a katana and Kiara's standing in the door and I didn't see what was on the TV. And it's like little kid, so I didn't like think much of it. I'm giving the box to the um, oldest child and then the character like bloodily cuts, like blood splatters across the screen as they cut off someone's head. And Kiara's like, daddy, what just happened? And I'm like, uh, oh, let's go. But she's like, yeah. she was very upset. And I'm like, crap, like, but they're like one and a half year olds in there watching this show. Like, and I didn't, the parents are not the ones who answered the door, nor were they the ones in the room. Like, I don't know where they were, but their oldest child is the one who took it. And I'm not trying to judge this family, like, but I am judging the fact that I don't think a one and a half year old should be watching Demon Slayer, you know? Um, And that that's something that like, I think that's an extreme that we would all agree is not necessarily healthy for children. Um, and so that's kind of moving away from that as kind of the straw man of like people just, it's like, I think most well-meaning parents are desiring, um, a well-balanced or at least not over stimulating their children with stuff. So it's like walking that line can be really tough. And so for us, it's like prayerful discernment. And also the key thing that I've kind of landed with is, Um, knowing my children, and and it's what we were just hitting on, is like, you know Lucy's heart, and so you know the kinds of things that are going to affect her. Um, And each of us has to make that decision, even as adults. Like, I know that a lot of, like, graphic violence is not going to bother my soul very much. But I do know that there are certain things that do bother my soul. Um, So, like, exorcism movies are something that just have never really sat well with me, they always kind of disturb me and trouble me. And uh, so like for me, I've kind of found, oh yeah, like that kind of stuff with like possession movies and stuff, I'm going to avoid. And like for some people, they can watch that and it doesn't bother them at all. But then like watching, you know, a graphically violent thing is going to affect them. So it's really comes down to like, okay, what's appropriate for an age group, but also what what really like impacts and affects my child. And do I know them well enough to know what is prudent to put in front of them and what's
1: not? There are two things that I want to kind of piggyback off of that, because one is that um, you mentioned like discerning and kind of like knowing your child well. And I want to at least like put this out there as a temptation that I feel and I want to acknowledge because it may be something that some of our listeners have confronted. And it's just me trying to be honest is like there are many times where I have the thought can like i understand that you're not loving this movie right now but can you suck it up so that i can finish watching it because i'm enjoying it and like coco was actually one of those where towards the end lucy was getting very sort of like um upset that uh miguel hadn't made it home yet and that the sun was rising and he was turning into more of a skeleton and all this stuff because they're because it's almost at the end of the movie and she's like like crying like there, there's tears coming out of her eyes and I'm I'm sort of trying to be in that space of like do I like is it going to be better for you to sort of like see the resolution for this um, and and how much is this sort of like <laughs> is me holding on here going to be like damaging you or or is this going to be helpful right Um, and so I just want to sort of acknowledge that there's that temptation as parents that's like this is supposed to be like a time killer. This is supposed to give me a break. This is supposed to be relaxing. Um, and if, if it's, I guess that's, that's one half of it, right? Because the way that we talk about the movies on this podcast is that, like, movies have a really great ability to be a communal way of, um, like, observing our own humanity together and of learning and growing vicariously through characters. Um, and, and many other things besides, right? Like it's, it has a, a level of cultural and artistic significance um, beyond just some finding something to binge or, or something to sort of veg out to. So the, I, I think we would both agree that they're valuable for, for that reason. But when it starts to eat into the relaxing part of it, it's like, well... The real reason I sat down to do this was because I had a particular goal. So anyway, that's that's the first point. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you had anything before I jump off, now now as you're you're in. I'll I'll toss back to you now. Yeah.
0: No. I mean, like, um, like some things that came to my mind when I was thinking about these things is as, as well, like. Um, I was actually thinking a couple weeks ago, somebody asked me, like, what's something that scared you in a movie as a child that, like, deeply disturbed you as a child that, like, you can still think about today? And I was, like, thinking about it. And there's a couple different ones that came to my mind. But the, the one that I just, like, remember, and it is, like, the first one that comes to mind for me is there was a movie called We're Back. I don't even remember. Ah, what... Dude, that's the third time you've brought that I know. up. <laughs> I I think we've already talked about this. But, like, again, because yep, it's my yep. thing. It's, like, there's the screw-eye Screw was the villain. Eye. And he had these, like, ravens that would, like, car, and, like, and so at the very end, a bunch of ravens descend on him and devour him, and the like only thing that's defeated. left of him, as they fl- the flock flies away, is his little, like, screw eye, like, the bolt falls to the ground and dings and rolls, and it's, like, oh, he just got eaten by those birds, and, like, I don't know why, that, like, freaked me
1: out as a kid. Oh, dude, because um, it's, it's not violent. It's, like, it's quick, it's efficient, and it's silent. Yeah, well, like, well,
0: and the idea too, because I, I think there's a couple of other scenes in movies that like remind me of that, but it was the first scene of people that were your friends turning against you and devouring you. Because um, it happens to Scar, but for whatever reason, yep. like that didn't really stick out to me when I was a kid that like Scar gets like eaten by his friends, but also like the I think hyena. You always kind like, of saw Scar it. Scar and it. the like, hyenas are not like friends the way that like. Oh this man had control over the crows and right. they like worked for him and then it's they like turned against him against yeah, yeah and devour him and it's like what like so i remember thinking that that was disturbing um so then the other thing that like as i was thinking about it having had the conversation with some friends at work and then driving home i was thinking like how much did that scene that terrified me and you could even say traumatized me as a child, although mom and dad, who listen to this podcast, you did not traumatize <laughs> me with "We're Back." That's the point I'm about to make. Is like how much of my life was changed, and like how much of me was limited because of that terrifying thing that I saw. That genuinely, like, you know, was a, like a wow. That was scarred into my brain. Like that was right. a ter- that was a scary You're thing that I saw. That. Like how much of me as a person was changed and augmented by that? I'll, I'll be honest, like very little of me. I like none well, of me. Do you like,
1: raise crows?
0: No, but I don't think I ever would have raised crows. <laughs> like
1: Well like not after seeing we're back, you won't. Yeah,
0: that's I don't know. <laughs> um but uh I don't know. So it's like I, I do I, I started to think back um at that point of like what are some things that were scary for me or traumatizing for me as a child? How much did it really change the trajectory of who I am and who I would be? And I realized that many of those things, like I it would be a big stretch to try and blame those things for e- even bad decisions I've made in my life or like places where I've failed or maybe like areas of like, you know, um, I don't know, just like character flaws. Like I I don't know if I can blame these kinds of things for those character flaws or for those like trajectory changes or things in my life. And so that's something else that I've been like thinking about. And it comes back to the point of discernment is like, maybe just not being too scrupulous or like overly like yeah. concerned about oh no i'm going to traumatize my child yeah. and it's going to change them <laughs> You're forever it's like them. <laughs> what were the things that traumatized me as a kid and how how much is my life different because of those things and I, and me at least being completely honest about my personal experience i don't think my life is very different because of those things that scared me you know what I mean? So yeah, like and and I'm totally open to the fact that some people maybe did see something that yeah. like changed them, sure. And like, but I can just say from my personal experience that wasn't the case. And so that for me was like a load off my shoulders of like, I don't need to be terrified of terrifying my
1: children. Like I like I'm within reason.
0: Yeah, like I again, I'm not going to start showing them Demon Slayer, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's, you know that that so, was disturbing. So Kiara was
1: very upset. So yeah. That was, I think that's a big part of it is like the, the parents are the gatekeepers for everything that gets to their children. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be things like Demon Slayer that your kids are going to get glimpses of no matter how hard you try, which mm-hmm. is why at the at the beginning I talked about raising strong kids rather than sheltering them. Um, and so I think there's like, there's like a couple I'm trying to reduce the. sort of like number of fronts that this is happening on and and make, try to simplify it into like actual advice. Um, because like you need to be as engaged enough as a parent to know that you shouldn't show your kid demon slayer. And there are, there are going to be parents out there who are not, uh, who, who, who would basically, Say it's it's not a problem. I'll just show it to my kid. When you, when you actually you're talking about thinking back on movies that scarred you, I'm sure there are lots of moments similar to Once in We're Back, where it was like it was an animated movie or kids movie, and it, it was something shocking and it was very memorable and it, I, I'd still be able to recall it. But some of the stuff that actually did like scar me um, was there's one in particular. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened in high school, my freshman year. <clears throat> I went to a friend's birthday party, which is already, a, that's, that's just something, something is always bound to happen at a friend's birthday party. But we, uh, we watched a movie while we were there and we watched a movie called Euro Trip. And oh, I'm not yeah. sure if any, have, if you guys have seen or heard of Euro Trip. Yeah. And it is, it is trash. It is a garbage, garbage movie. And it would just like very, very, I, I'm saying this as someone who's been scarred by it. So I'm sure someone's like, you know, I, I like Euro Trip. Uh, it's just like it is heavily, heavily oversexualized and not at all appropriate for high schoolers to be watching. And so as someone having just gone through puberty, this, this was very, very troubling to watch just because of the way that women were objectified, sex was portrayed, drugs were taken, and this sort of just disregard for morals that pervaded the movie, um, all of the things that it depicted in doing that all of the views of women that I had not yet had before that that movie gave to me. Um, it, it, it was just like that, that set off a, a chain reaction of really bad things in my, in my poor high school life that my parents were none the wiser to. I don't know if they ever knew, found out that I watched that movie, um, and would never have been able to sort of like see what was, I guess like bubbling under the surface for me as a young man coming of age. Cause I wasn't talking about it. Um, and it was just like that was bad news. I really mm-hmm. wish I hadn't seen that movie. I really wish the parents of that friend had been more responsible um, and not showing an R-rated movie to a room full of like 14-year-olds without their parents' consent. Um, and it's just like that. that's exactly the type of stuff that I think it's the parent's job to like prepare the child for. In in and, and that's – a place where I feel like I'm sort of developing a, a way of doing that. But I, I, am far from being an expert. Like, I'm sure that there are mm-hmm. psychologists. Actually, you know, we should have a psychologist on here. We about. really should. I have a couple of like psychologist friends. I was like, that'd be fun to have one of them
0: on. And yeah. Talk about stuff
1: like this. Um, yeah. Cause I'm sure there's like actual things to, to think about and, and recommendations from, from the people who make it their job to to know about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just the the thing that I I guess my my gut goes to is like ensuring the strength of the relationship. So like carving out a space where they feel known, seen, and loved. A place where they know they can receive good information, a place where they feel protected, um where they can be themselves, ask any question without fear of, you know, punishment for for having asked a whatever uh, a, a taboo question um as, as like a home really like a, a sense of belonging a sense of safety with you and it's like there will come points in their lives where they're going to you know have significant life events or developments that will push them in different ways and they'll push against you um but that having a that sort of solid base of safety is the thing that will give them the the strength when they when they do venture out on their own and when they do uh, find themselves in those situations where you're not around and th- and they it, whenever they do experience those things because they will experience those things pro- hopefully not euro trip but you know the glimpse of demon slayer or they saw something on a billboard they passed by Victoria's secret at the mall I'm just <laughs> using all these sexual examples uh you know whatever whatever it is like kids kids can see like anything it's it's so it's everywhere. You can't guard their eyes all the time. And so when when those things do happen, making it a place where they can come to you and be like, "I," and, and making it okay to say like, I saw something that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Talk about it, process it, and help them move on.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's the balance between like, you know, I was just saying like how, oh, like if my, the things that traumatized me when I was a kid, like that, they don't really have a big like effect on you. That's true in the capacity of like, the innocent media that has a couple of like shocking or scary things in them. Um, I would agree that especially the older you get uh, or the, the more mature the material gets, the more discerning someone has to be like, for instance, like with this family that was watching Demon Slayer together, the child is one to answer the door and took the food and it was, I didn't see any adults in the room. The parents probably didn't know. Like, I'm not even saying the parents turned on demon slayer for their kids. Like, I have a feeling the parents had no idea what was going on in that living room. And that's sad. Um, And, again, like I said, I'm not judging, like, that family specifically necessarily because, like, for all I know, both are at work, and that's all they can do to keep their family alive, and the oldest kids are, like, the babysitters, and those kids are the ones making the bad decision about, we're going to watch our show. Like, I don't care. Like, they're not even thinking that there's a one-year-old in the room watching it too because they're, you know, kids, and they don't think about things like that. But, like, food. odds are the parents have no clue what's going on in that room. And it's it's something that, like you said, it, I think in our day and age, it's inevitable that there's going to be things that slip through the cracks. Like, um, we're not always going to be able to to stop our kids from seeing something that maybe we don't want them to see. Um, that's, that's going to happen. How do we handle that is an important point of this conversation I think we should have. But the other one, too, is, like, how do we limit that? Because – yeah. For me, my entry point into things that my parents would not have wanted me to do is I would go to spend the night at friends' houses. And that like one of the things that made me want to go over there was um, knowing that I could watch certain movies or play certain video games that I wasn't allowed to play and watch. Yep. So I would go over to friends' houses in middle school and high school to watch R-rated movies with my friends because I wanted to watch the movies I wanted to watch. And I thought, I'm fine. Like, it doesn't bother me. I'm allowed to watch. Like, I can do whatever I want. And I, like, because that was my personality. And God bless my parents for putting up with me. But, like, my personality <laughs> was one that was, like, if I think it's okay and it's right, there's no there's no argument. Like, I have decided this will not be. Clearly uh, this won't I'm right. <laughs> like, this movie is not going to affect me. I don't care that it's rated R. Like, that's trivial. Like, I have decided this that watching Braveheart, Will only be a positive experience for me. And then I watched Braveheart and it was only a positive experience for me, which then justified in my mind my disobedience <laughs> because, well, it was silly for them to think that Braveheart was a movie I shouldn't watch or Gladiator was a movie I shouldn't watch just because it was rated R because I had a positive experience with those stories and they didn't have things in there that disturbed me, blah, blah. And then the problem is, is I wasn't just watching Braveheart and Gladiator. Not right. All our and so. Things are created equal. <laughs> right. And I was watching movies like Eurotrip or Super Bad or other movies that, like, are in that genre of just kind of, like, over-sexualized, like, um, you know, Animal House kind of, like, style movies um, that are not good for the development of a teenager, right? Um, and unfortunately, we even live in a, a day and age where uh, I'm very blessed and fortunate that this didn't happen to me. But with unsolicited access to the internet, you can also come upon... Um, really inappropriate pornographic material nowadays and it's like tailor-made for people to stumble into and to form an addiction that um can can deeply and negatively affect their their life and their future um and so that's something for me that it's unsolicited it's like access to like at the least internet five is five
1: times more likely than than when we were that age.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the the most recent study I saw on um children's exposure to pornographic material the average age of exposure is 6 years old it's like deeply disturbing um but again it's because this stuff is made to be stumbled into and mm-hmm. um most adults can see when they click on a link or something like oh this is going somewhere it shouldn't like i should back out of this or like this isn't right but like the kids can't necessarily do that and that's why having unsolicited access to the internet or to even a streaming service that can have illicit material on there or adult material that's not a kid version of Netflix or a kid version of YouTube. Like, um, it can be dangerous because they can turn something on that perhaps they shouldn't.
1: Um, and, and that's probably like where I think, you know, mentioning that the parents are the gatekeepers, that's where I think like the responsibility lies. Cause you, we're talking about this balance between scrupulosity of like, am I going to scar them? It's like, some things are going to affect them. There's no fighting it. And you're going to think something's fine and it's not fine and that's okay. But there's also like if you don't screen anything out then everything gets in and mm-hmm. does just a number on on these like poor impressionable brains. And that's you're talking about like you know until stumbles on something that's uh, proto, proto-pornographic and it's like they're able to sort of have that mental acknowledgement this could be going somewhere and then honestly i bet there are a, a large percent of the population that goes i'll see more um but then where we also have the ability to step back i think at that age i'm again this is where i need a uh, psychologist because i'm just gonna like make a bold claim here it's like they're they're unable to resist right like they they don't have the sort of control of their will yet to um actually have that um the ability to to step back from that so it's It's irresponsible to sort of like leave portals to that type of material open um, in a house. So I think the things that I at least have in mind to do as we as we continue to as our children continue to get older is like they're (laughs) definitely Kathleen and I always joke about this. Neither her or I had a phone until we graduated high school. So, uh, well, okay. I may have had I had a flip phone. In high school, to call to get home from like track practice, but we didn't get smartphones until we graduated high school. That's what it was. Um, so it's like, yeah, the kids are just—they're not getting phones till till college, <laughs> and we'll we'll see how how long we last on that. But uh, uh, mentioning about your friends actually is is a good point. Like our kids might not have phones, but they're going over to kids' houses where they can pull up like hardcore porn on their phone in a matter of seconds, like very easily with a couple of keywords. Um, But as far as like home family devices, having monitoring systems in place or, or parental controls that screen that stuff out, um, especially on like streaming platforms and TV stuff. If if that's um, an option, YouTube especially um, just sort of like putting in the appropriate safeguards, knowing that like Mm -hmm. you have the ability to filter out a lot of the gunk.
0: Right. Well, and, you know, our our oldest, Kiara, just a couple of months ago had her first going over to a friend's house from her school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went really well. But one of the things that we told the parent and that we're planning on talking to families about when our kids go to, to hang out over there is, um, oh, we do not allow our children to have access to the to the Internet or play on a tablet tablet. Um, when when they're over at someone's house we you know would ask that they they can watch a show they can play a game even if like they played a game on tablet that's fine as long as there's an adult present and they're an adult controlling the device um maybe but like the key thing that we just kind of tell the parents is like um we don't let our children play on uh devices connected to the internet or with a a device in general um so just to, to let you know about that and I, like they were totally cool about it. Like, oh yeah, we don't do that either. Like we, they're just gonna play. We have like a make believe box and like you know that they were saying the the child their their daughter who's gonna play with our daughter was like so excited to play like dress up and read a book with them and so, stuff. So like great, but like we just lay that rule down of like hey, this is an expectation we have with our child coming over. And if we saw a parent treating that with contempt and mean, like, well, that's stupid or whatever, and they like disregard that, then we would let them know that, that we find that disrespectful and surprising that they would do that and then not let our child go and spend time over there again. And their child is welcome to come to our home, but we would not let them go over there if we saw a parent that wasn't willing to honor the safeguards we want to put in our children's life. And so we're still walking that line and discerning that and trying to figure out like, how do I as a parent and, and especially in a world where people can feel so judged for their parental decisions and it can be such Mm. a place of like, like, um, conflict. Um, how, how do I make a stand for what I think is appropriate for my children in a, in a positive way that doesn't come off as frustrating or judgmental or, um, leave license for someone to undermine my decisions for my children. Um, and it's tough, especially when you have a parent who, which was what would happen when I would go over to friends' houses, um, the parents of my friends would say, your parents are helicopter parents. They're too overprotective. Like, And they would undermine my parents to me to justify why I was allowed to do these things and say how silly my parents were for having these rules. And in my head, I knew that was wrong. And in my head, I knew that my parents' rules for me were good and loving rules that I should respect if I thought they applied to me, which again was my immaturity and my character fault (laughs) was thinking I could be the judge of what I thought was appropriate for me. Um, and then I would watch something that disturbed me and was like, Oh, I shouldn't have chosen that. But like, you know, it took maturing to realize I needed someone to not let me be exposed to things like that, that disturbed me. Um, and my parents were trying to guard me from that and I blatantly disregarded that and so like there's a point when I was an adult when I came to my parents and just was kind of like I want to apologize um for this whole thing I did in my life you probably knew some of it was happening but I would go to friends houses I would break your rules and I would undermine you and I would decide what I thought was appropriate and I know that that would be disappointing for you and that that was not what you wanted. Um, and it wasn't coming from a place of guilt, like, oh, like my, like, <laughs> my, like my parents knew that too. It wasn't me being like, oh, I have to confess this terrible thing to you. Like I'm a horrible son. It was coming from a place of like, I need to apologize. Cause like I, I did undermine you and I shouldn't have. Um, And as an adult now, and this is even before I had kids, I had that conversation with my parents just want to reconcile with them on that. And they were really, awesome about it just like and like that was something that both my parents talked about was like we knew that even though you were making decisions like that um a like yeah we probably like we didn't know to the degree in which that was happening um but like we also knew that we raised you well and that you wouldn't do certain things and i and those were things i said like i would never have done x y and z like we knew that like we knew that you yeah. wouldn't do those things. And we could tell when you were doing things that you shouldn't be doing. But we also knew that if we tried to regulate you too much, you would have gone further. You would have rebelled more. And so there were certain rebellions that you thought you were getting away with that we knew about and we let you do because they were almost like safe <laughs> we rebellions. permitted it. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like that, that's a safe rebellion. That's like a safe space yeah. for me to still be in their life and still be able to speak into these things When the person realizes it's a mistake that happened in relationships I was in where my parents knew Matthew should not be dating this person. This is not a good person for him. But he will not listen to us if we tell him that now. But then I break up with that person. I'm like, yeah. And my parents are like, yeah. And it's like, (laughs) why didn't you tell me? It's like, would you have listened if we did? Like, no. So like. (laughs) but it's it's the thing it actually ended up building more trust when they didn't push back sometimes and when they yeah. let me fall forward but they were still in my life and so um gosh that's just a hard like i respect my parents so much for getting that right so often um nice. because I, I i like i think that's a really hard line um and i find myself right now like tending more towards like no like then yeah. um yeah what is the like what is the permissive like degree in which i can like let my child fall forward
1: um and it's tough and and that's like i think the stage of life that you and i are in right now is the one where we have the most i guess control over that relationship we we are their entire world right like and and will be for a while but there will come a day where they begin to become their own and then explore and and like reach the the point that you're talking about so i think now is when we're investing in doing that work and in laying that foundation that is going to be strong and will hold when it comes up against you know, things that challenge it. And so I think really at the end of the day, it's just a matter of like really fighting to be a great parent. And it is exhausting many days. Uh, uh, I'll say every day, yeah. Uh, it's just a matter of how exhausting. <laughs> uh, it's just like, it's, it's so, it's so much work, but it's also light work. Like it's easy work, I guess that's, I don't, I don't want to make light of it. This is, I have friends that make fun of me for this because uh, we'll, we'll talk about kids and I don't, I don't know what it is, but something sort of like turns on in me when I start talking about my kids that kind of downplays the the hard parts and plays up the really magical parts. And so I was like on a a conference call with some work buddies and we were talking about kids and I just sort of like sighed and go, aren't kids magical? And the other guy told me later that it became an inside joke with him and his wife whenever something was going like ludicrously crazy that they just look at each other and go, aren't kids magical? I was like, you know, that's totally fair because I feel like me saying that is me sort of like trying to paint it in the best possible way. Uh and it's like maybe that's me trying to convince myself because a lot of times I feel a little bit, I don't want to say nihilistic, but just like really beaten down by being a dad and just being like emotionally abused all day. <laughs> uh but it's like
0: I'm I'm just thinking with you right now, like my before I came here, uh my daughter was just in a Gemma was just in a very defiant mood and was mm-hmm. like, no. I like she's she's started taking doing this thing where for her she's she'll like talk very directly no I'm going to keep playing with this toy no and I'm like like okay. you really get tested when it's like golly right. like this open like rebellion against you and you're like heavenly father help me to think about all the times <laughs> I have openly rebelled against you. And, that like, have a ridiculous. heart like yours because I am right now wanting to fight back. And it's like, yeah. how can I have a merciful heart right now instead of, like, <laughs> you know. I like And today, it was funny. Um, one of my – so my my daughter uh, turned around when I told her to get buckled in her car seat. And I was putting stuff in the back, groceries that we'd bought and stuff. I'm putting in the back. She turns over, over the, like, headrest and goes <laughs> – and spits at me. And I'm like <laughs> – excuse me? Like, uh-uh. Like, let's talk yep. about that. And it's like, so like, you know, kids can sometimes like, like you said, the emotional abuse for like things that it's like, hey, you can you. like, yeah, you get tested. But it's like, like you said, when they're at this age, they need us to be their parents. They need yeah. us to punish that behavior. Right? And not over severely, right? No, but no. like, they need me to tell them that's they
1: need wrong. They correction.
0: Yeah. yeah. They need me to tell them Sorry, it's time to go to bed. You can't keep playing with that toy. It's bedtime. Well, and this is like this is
1: one of the best analogies that I've heard for that. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, yeah, the um, that like when you sit down on a roller coaster, I'm assuming you've rode a roller coaster. Yeah. What's the What's the first thing you do? Is when the when the lap bar comes down, you're going to push on that lap bar. Now you're not pushing on the lap bar, hoping that it gives. You're hoping that it stays there because you're going to need something to keep you in the seat when the roller coaster turns upside down. And kids testing you, this is at least the way that I've kind of thought about it and the way that's helped me to stay sane, Mm -hmm. is like as they're pushing on you, a lot of times, especially when they're very young, it's because they actually feel emotionally out of control. They are, I've I've seen this very distinctly one time in, in my daughter's eyes is like she was having this outburst, but the look in her eyes was this look of, help me. Mm-hmm. It was like, I am frightened because I don't know what I'm doing right now and I can't control it. And the, the best thing that I can do in that scenario is establish that that is unhelpful, unproductive behavior that is not something that we do in this house. And then help her come back from that place to a, a position where we can talk rationally about it. Because as she's exploding, I can't go, I can't like ask her rhetorical questions and I can't sort of like use that as a teaching moment. It's like, she's not listening. She's way past listening. And so my, my immediate sort of, uh, task in, in that, um, moment is to first deescalate and then get to a point where we can say, you know what, here are all the reasons why that was really not the okay way to, to act let's establish some ways that we can work towards a better solution next time.
0: Right. So where are we landing with this? The the kind of like thing that's coming to my mind is what are things that we've concluded from our own conversation? Um, you know, so it's not, dear listeners, here's the rules. Like here's just yeah. where I, I'm like convicted to like land with some of these things is like um, the the don't do's and the discernments, right? So like the, the don't do for me is like I would encourage everyone, like, don't just give your child unlimited access to the internet and to media in general and let them regulate their own media, especially as children. Like, it is important to discern well what you are permitting to come into your home. Um, So don't just give them that unlimited access. Be discerning in what you permit to come into your home. Not using media as a pacifier for my children so that i can get work done or i can put them away in the corner so that i can like take a break or whatever like sometimes we do that but we we shouldn't rely on media to be a pacifier we should be with our children the stories we tell them because like we say in this podcast the stories we see affect us and they're beautiful and wonderful and we should be there to guide our children through those yeah absolutely
1: well matthew as always it is a it is a wonderful time talking with you and uh Just happy to be on this journey of not only uh, life, but parenthood with you. And thank you for sharing all of your your wonderful insights. Looking forward to our next discussion. Likewise. Thank you for listening to Echoes of Eternity. Make
0: sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating if you like the show. And be sure to tell us your thoughts and what you want Ben and Matthew to talk about in future episodes. Tune in next time to hear more Eternal Eternal Echoes. Echoes.